Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Explain It Slowly. Explain it slowly. Okay. <laughs> that's exciting. Um yeah, that's it for today. Bye everyone. So no question for me? Oh, question, right. Um how do you get an internet connection? How do you get an internet connection? I know it involves the internet guy coming to your house, hooking up some wires from like the pole outside. Uh -huh. And then they give you a box, which they call a modem, I think. And then from that box, you're able to somehow get on the internet. Mm -hmm. So I guess what is like, what is it? Like, during that whole process of setting up the internet, like, what are you doing? Okay, so, uh, the whole point of the internet is to connect different networks together. So, uh, we talked about this before, I think, where you can have, like, one computer connected to another, and that makes a little network mm -hmm. where that computer can communicate only with that other one. Now, you can make this network bigger by connecting all these, um computers up to a switch and that switch will listen and see okay this message was from computer a and it's intended for computer c so i'm going to route it to that cable basically and then it's going to go to computer c computer c might send a message to computer b uh, and it's going to go to the switch and the switch is going to see that and it's going to send it its way Does that makes sense so far kind of yes so that makes a computer network mm -hmm. each computer will get an address in this case we we're using a b and c uh, but in reality, it's either an IPv4 address or an IP version 6 address. Uh, and that address is basically just a bunch of numbers. It's not fancy like 123 Main Street. Uh, it's uh, 1.7.10.2. That could be a potential address. The IPv6 addresses have more numbers in between. That's basically like how many addresses can you have in total? Uh, that's That's what it's dealing with. Who creates the address? Uh, so the address is given to you. So that switch that we were talking about before, usually if you just have computers connected to it, they're all going to pick their own address and it's going to be more or less random. So because, because like, cause like you, you might have AT&T or I, does AT&T do internet? Yes. Or you might have like Spectrum or you might have like, what other companies are there? Like Verizon. Like, do all these companies give you an address when they come hook it up to your house? Or, because if they do, then is it possible to be given different people the same address? Okay, so going back to the simple example where you have three computers connected via switch. Yeah. Each of those computers is going to come up with its own address. It's going to be like, let's roll dice and I'm going to get 169.5.9.3. So it's internal and is it no, always random? Like in this situation. So meaning like every time you want to connect, it's a different We're not talking about the internet yet. It's a different API or it's a different PI address? IP IP address? Yeah, internet protocol. That's what IP says. Okay. Um, so you have your switch, you have your three connect computers connected to it. Every time you plug and unplug your computers, they're going to come up with a new address for themselves. Okay. Um, that's the simplest scenario. That does not work when you have lots of computers because if they're coming up with their own address, then they might come up with the same address. Right. Right. And that's no good. Okay. Um, so with IPv4, you basically have 4 billion possibilities. You have 
0 to 255 four times and that's what gives you like 4 billion possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not going to work if you have a huge amount of computers. Like it's only a matter of time before two have the same address. Yeah. And then a message intended for one might go to the other or both or neither. Like it could cause problems. So what you end up having is something called a router. Um, and uh, the router. And the router is different from a modem. The yes. box that they give you? A router, you? a switch, and a modem are three different things. So we'll okay. get into that in a bit. Um, so the router basically has a special kind of server on it called a DHCP server. Dynamic host service provider. DHCP. Whatever. Compu- okay, I got close. Um, but uh, basically this server, every computer when it connects, it will contact this server and it's going to say, please give me an address. And that server will say, hey, address C is free right now. You can go ahead and use it. Okay. And then when the next computer connects, it's going to say, hey, give me an address. The DHCP uh, server is going to say, hey, uh, address D is free right now. You can go ahead and use it. And it will just go ahead and give out addresses as a computer uh, forget, like hasn't connected for a while. That address will free up. You can make reservations, all sorts of fun things. That's a network at home okay, or in an office. Now, you want to connect different networks up and that's what connects that's what makes the internet so at every network so say for at home we have our 17 million computers they're all connected to one router basically okay and that router can be connected to a different router somewhere else and that router somewhere else say the office has its own 17 million computers okay um so if a computer in network a which is at home the network at home wants to communicate with a computer in the network at the office, it's going to go through that router and that router is going to send the message to the other router. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So to manage all of this, uh, you have essentially internet providers. So internet providers are what provide the interconnect between these routers. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So AT&T, for instance, has a bunch of cables that are connected between every house, all over the United States, and they're all connected to different interconnects with houses in Europe, for instance. Through a router. Through, every house has its own router. Yeah. And AT&T will manage connecting those routers between each other. So AT&T was basically given, hey, you own every IP address, and I'm going to make this up, between 1.1.0. Uh, 0.0 and 1.1.255.255. So every IP address within that range is owned by AT&T. Every IP address between 1.2. something is owned by Verizon. Every IP address by 1.3 is owned by all of Africa. Like they made arbitrary decisions like this. Um, and they made poor decisions in terms of like geographic locations, not thinking that Asia would like explode in popularity in terms of people connecting on the internet, they have a much smaller address space than all of North America, which a huge chunk was given just to Google or just to Apple, for instance. Does that make sense? Sorry, what are we talking about? The IP addresses. IP addresses, okay. Okay, because there's only 4 billion of them. Sure. Something, someone needs to decide who gets what. Okay. Okay, so your internet provider, AT&T, has its collection of IP addresses. Uh-huh. So all of its customers that connect... AT&T is going to decide, okay, I'm going to give you this IP address, or I'm going to give you that IP address. 
So going back to your question, what happens when like two people have the same IP address who's deciding all this? The internet provider is given IP addresses and then they decide who to give each address to. So what happens if they run out of addresses to give? So uh, basically... Is that when they call you? Is that when they randomly like raise your... Internet <laughs> your connection. internet contract bill and then like you then decide to cancel it and then they take that and give it to somebody else yeah so uh, this is called ipv4 mageddon so the armageddon of the end of addresses for ipv4 um and we've long foreseen this would happen so someone worked on a new version of the internet protocol called version 5 that was ignored and then someone else made version 6 and that one basically adds more addresses than there are stars in the universe. Like okay. a stupid amount of different combinations to the point where it's now possible that your computer can randomly pick an IP address and it will be it will be unique. Like two computers, it's unforeseeable that they're going to randomly pick the same address now because there's so many more combinations. I forget the exact number. Mm-hmm. How does... Does an address, like one of these, what is it, IP mm-hmm. address, does it work the, in the same idea as like a home address, like how we have an address on our street? Yeah, so th- think of it the other way around. So we have like our address, uh, I'm going to make one up, uh, is we live in the United States, uh-huh. in California, uh-huh. in Los Angeles, uh-huh. on Main Street, uh-huh. at house 123. Okay. Okay. So we go from big to smaller to smaller to smaller to smaller. So an IP address is the same thing. The big thing, the country, is one number. There's 255 of them. Oh, okay. The next thing, the state, is another number. There's 255 of them. The next thing, the city, there's one number. There's 255 of them. And then the last thing, the, the street and house number, there's 255 of those within each city and so on and so forth. So that's how you get 4 billion. Mm-hmm. Is that the same idea as like if you want to dial like a phone number, a phone number like mm-hmm. internationally? It's like yeah, you have the international one number zero one something mm-hmm. like that. Exactly. So the international number basically chooses which country to send uh, it to. Then the area code will choose a postal region to send the connection to. And then you have the region code, which is the next three. And then you have the last four. Okay. So it's basically the same thing. Everything is split up into digits. I'm going a bit off topic here. Uh When you have these different codes that represent like all of these countries or all of these different states or whatever, like if you're trying to dial outside of the U.S. Mm -hmm. to that, like how do you connect from here to France? So by dialing... Is there really a pipe that like travels there yeah so there's a cable like a physical a physical yeah so there was a big there was a big hype about like everything needs to be satellite communication yada 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 uh we don't really use satellites for communication all that much anymore most communication is done via undersea cables so you have a big cable that is literally connected between new york and europe that's it, far though. it's about two feet in diameter and it's mostly rubber because in the smack middle of that you have uh, fiber optic cables uh-huh. that if you blink a light on one end, New York, as fast as light goes, on the other end in Europe, you're going to see that light blink. Uh-huh. So you can have tons of those and you basically connected two continents. Okay. 
All right, back to internet. Okay. We were talking about the addresses. Okay, the... so we've we've gone through the addresses and how things get addresses, right? Okay. In your local network, you have that DHCP server. It's basically whoever asks, get one. Then you have the... Is that is that like a special machine or is that just a, uh, some sort of software or system that runs on your computer? So it can be all sorts of things. It can be a piece of software that just runs on a computer or it can be the router itself. The router is a computer, okay. spoiler alert, and it runs software, uh, namely a DHCP server okay. that manages this. Okay. Okay. So you can either have a DHCP server at your home network or you have the internet provider that's connecting different networks. Another question on router. Uh-huh. We have a Wi-Fi router. Yes. Right? Do you just go out and buy a router and then it'll just like delegate all of the or give out all of these IP address for you or like? So uh, the how, how do you get a router? Is it the internet provider gives you a router? Or? It can be one of several things. So your internet provider, they might give you a router like as a part of their bundle or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes you have to rent it. Like you don't even realize you're renting it until you realize you can buy your own and then not pay for the router as well okay. so do check with your internet provider to see if you're paying for that router that they gave you for free <laughs> or uh you can buy your own router and connect it up to their infrastructure and we're going to talk about that in a bit um, but that router like you can buy it they can give it to you it will typically only give out addresses in the 10 dot range or the 192 dot range those are designated private use so Anything in in that range, you can go ahead and use for whatever you want. And in fact, every house is going to have an address that starts with 10 dot or 192 dot. Right. And since it's local per that it house, doesn't matter. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't affect at the next house. Exactly. Over. They can have the exact same numbers. In fact, they're probably going to start with the exact same numbers. Like their first three computers are going to be 10.0.1.1.2.3. Okay. Like those are going to be identical between two houses if they chose to start it with 10 dot. Okay. Um, so, depending on who uh, is uh, actually, like, controlling all this in terms of who's your internet provider, there are different ways for these home networks to connect to each other. Mm-hmm. One of them, like, for instance, at home, we have cable. Uh, and the way cable works is... They uh, have a literal copper cable that comes to our house. Is that that one that we looped around the house? Yeah, it's the one we looped around the house through the garage and okay, back. Okay, okay. Okay, so that's the copper cable. That's connected up to Spectrum, in our case's infrastructure. Okay. Now, that cable by itself, it does not provide internet. We have to have a modem that can communicate in a way that's expected of that cable and Spectrum. So that modem will dial in and basically say, hey, uh, we are subscriber number 5678, uh, and uh, did they pay their bill? And then on the other side, it says, yes, they paid their bill. Um, and then our thing says, okay, we're going to negotiate a connection. Let's see if this speed works. And then the other side is going to say, yeah, that speed worked. And uh, everyone from who grew up in the 90s is familiar with the... Sound effect. And that is dial-up. That is basically your modem communicating audibly over a phone line to a different modem on the other end uh, to negotiate that connection, basically. Okay. So the modem negotiates the basic connection. Then 
the internet provider will say to the modem, okay, everything's good. Here's your IP address. And then that IP address is usually, and I'm gonna say usually here because it's different in different scenarios, unique across the world. So the modem also has an IP address? The modem is given an IP address, which it passes on to a router and it tells that router, hey, this is the IP address you should use. Okay, so if you have multiple computer, then- They're all connected to your router. The router then talks to the modem. The mm -hmm. modem then it's gonna have to give you that many so usually, IP address if you have that many computers. Usually the way it works is it gives it one IP address and then the router will then go ahead and uh, play with uh, the packets that go through and say that, okay, if a packet comes from computer A, we're gonna put a little A in there. And then whoever is responding to that packet is gonna put a little A in there so we know to send it back to co computer A. And that's called network address translation. So basically it translates between the local network, the one at home, and the internet, which you only have one IP address to share. So if you have two computers that are running simultaneously and trying to access the internet for some sort of information or mm -hmm. whatever, then how, I guess, is the router, since the router is now communicating with both of those computers to give it whatever packet it needs, mm -hmm. like how... Is it so fast that both computers will get the information at the same time? Or is one going to wait on the other since you only have one IP address? One is going to wait on the other, basically. But this happens so quickly. Yeah. So we're talking about if you have a 100 megabit connection, you have 100 million bits, ones and zeros, going through every second. 100 million. How much is that information? Like, how much is that? Well, it's roughly enough to download an image in one second. Okay. So you have a lot of speed there. And an image is a lot of data. If you're talking about text files, it's instant. Okay. Um, so most connections, like when you're loading an internet web page, that's just a text file. So that's going to go through instantly. Okay. So all your computers are all, uh, I think the term is multiplexing. So basically they're going in one request at a time to that router and the router is sending one request at a time through uh, to the internet provider. Okay. Now, there are some different scenarios. So we have cables. That's how ours works. If you have dial-up, your modem is connected to the phone company, which then will send it to a special number on that your internet provider owns, and they have another modem at that phone number. So when you call, when, you, when your modem calls, basically it makes a phone call, it's going to audibly communicate, uh, with the modem at your internet provider, and your internet provider is then going to be able to connect you to the internet that way, via sound effects, because that's it's communicating over a phone line basically. That's the worst kind of internet. Okay, so going going back to the the two computer example with the router and then with the modem. Mm -hmm. So the the two computers sent requests to the to the router mm -hmm. the router then tells the modem yeah that hey these requests are being requested basically it's like send out these packets and then the modem then communicates with the server that is well the modem communicates with another modem that, that lives at the internet provider that lives house. at the, and then are they and then are they the one that is looking up the information that you're requesting so no, then they so then see, they send it to the server the server. Wherever the server lives around the world. Okay. 
How, but how, yes, they do see everything. Okay, so they do see what you request every mm-hmm. single time. Yep. And then also, when the when the modem at the service provider sends it to the server to grab whatever information you want, this how does the server have the thing that you're at, trying to access? Well, it depends what kind of server it is. If it's a web server, you're accessing a file like index.html. Oh, so 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 all you really need to access things that exist on the internet, like on the public internet, the web, mm-hmm. is by just having a web server, mm-hmm. and that web server will then be able to grab down any information that is public out there. No, that web server is only containing the information that it knows about. Another web server will know about different information. So think about. Uh, Apple.com and Wikipedia.org. Yeah. Wikipedia.org only knows about stuff that's on Wikipedia. Apple.com only knows about stuff that's on Apple's website. Okay, so so let's. So when so you then... connect to Apple.com, Apple.com has its own address. Wikipedia.org has its own address. So you're connecting to the Apple.com address or the Wikipedia.org address. One of the two. I I still don't get it. So if you're trying to access Apple.com. Mm-hmm. You send the request to your router, which then send it to your modem, and then that modem communicates with the internet provider's modem, and then that internet provider's modem can then send it to a server. To a server, the server that they own, though, no, right? No, this is a server that can be anywhere on the internet. That can be anywhere on the internet. So then, where is this server? Is uh, in the- Apple's case, it's probably in Cupertino. Okay, so so in order for that modem to access that server that apple owns that then will show you information about apple.com it needs to be able to communicate with there but since apple's server is a private thing right no or so no? it's a server it's a private server yes but it's connected to the internet just like our home computers are connected to the internet and it was given an ip address for apple.com i don't quite get it i think think of think of people sending a letter back and forth to each other no i i don't understand where all of this server exists at a physical location somewhere at a physical location so then like wikipedia has its own physical server somewhere apple Mm -hmm. has their own physical server somewhere yeah but how does that internet provider modem communicate to those servers if if it's not theirs to connect think of it the other way around Apple is paying an internet provider to connect their server to the internet. Okay. So all internet provider knows the IP address of that server that Apple owns? Basically, it doesn't know. So our IP address, our no, sorry, our internet provider does not know where Apple's address is. But if Apple's address starts with uh, 72.5.6.7, okay, 72.567, that's that's Apple's address, it knows where 72 is because there's only 256 like combinations. So it knows 72 is in that direction on this cable that's connected to it. How does it know? It remembered from the last time someone tried to connect. That's so bizarre. So think of it this way. If you have multiple um, nodes 
that are all connected to each other and they're all connected in this tangled graph of like wires, you need to be able to have a message go from one node to another. So the easiest way is to send it to every node you know and say, hey, this needs to somehow make it to 72.5.6.7. Then the next node over, it's like, I don't, like, I'm not connected to anything, so it's just going to ignore it. Node 2 is going to be like, oh, like, I think someone connected with 72 before, and it was in this direction, so I'm going to send it over there. And it's going to slowly make its way over and end up at the destination just by flooding the same message to everything. But if everyone does that, then... It's chaos, right? Yeah. Okay, so these these switches, that's what they're called, they're a little smarter than that in that they remember that every cable that's connected up to the switch, so for example, our router has like four cables coming out of it, it knows what is at the other end of each of those cables, roughly speaking. It knows that on this cable, we have IP addresses that start with 50. On this cable, we have the IP address that goes to 72, on this one, we have the IP address that goes to four. And on this one, it's the one that goes to two. Does that make sense? No. Can you stop using numbers as examples? <laughs> so think of it this way. If we're going with countries, the switch, it knows that one cable is going to Germany, one cable is going to France, one cable is going to Japan, and one cable is going to Australia. But where are these cables? Are these These are actual cables. Yes, they're cables actual cables. That are existing somewhere under the house right now. Uh, no, on the telephone poles. On the telephone pole. Okay. So every every switch, every internet provider is connected to every other internet provider, basically. And they pay each other to have a cable connected. And that is how they can communicate within e each other, basically. So we talked about two ways of connecting. We have the cable, what we have. We have dial-up, which sucks. A third way of connecting is directly. So if you are in a uh, data center, for instance, a data center is a building where lots of servers are stored from all sorts of different companies. So for example, uh, at the local data center in Los Angeles, there's a server for Netflix, there's a server for YouTube, there's a server for Apple, there's a server for Google. All the big companies, they have a server in almost every data center. And those servers, they need to connect to the internet as well. So what they do is they pay an internet prov service provider for a connection, but they don't need to do it with a modem. They can skip the modem bit and they can get a direct connection. The internet provider will say, okay, this is your IP address. It's not going to change. So anyone that tries to connect to you, they can contact you at this address. It's like getting a PO box at the post office. I guess I'm just thinking like with all of these direct, connection like you're gonna have all sorts of cables just floating everywhere so basically that's that's kind of what's happening so just like all of our like computers in one house is going through one router to one modem all the houses in this area are all going to one like interconnect for the service provider and that's going to the data center so is a data center somewhere nearby or it could be like in a different state Generally speaking, you have a data center nearby within a few miles. That has a physical cable That's there. connecting to a different data center, and each data center is essentially connected to each other. Some data centers are connected over continents. Some are just connected over telephone lines. So, some under the roads. So are those telephone lines 
are all like are there always the same number of telephone lines up there and that you're just reusing that line or is it every time you want to add a connection they have to go physically and put in a new line so generally speaking when a service provider builds out for a region they're going to have enough for the number of houses that they're going to be connecting to so they already but, make but, one cable with little cables inside of it one for every house right but i'm saying like if you're new if you're let's say you're a new internet provider coming into town and you're trying out to of luck. <laughs> so you can even add your own cable if you want to be part of this region that you can of, yeah. but you have to fight with the city to say hey can we please use your telephone poles to put our own cable and then the city's gonna be like uh at&t already kind of owns that that's not even our telephone pole they put it there before we had any jurisdiction. Oh. So it's a big mess, basically. Okay. Um, and that's why we're in the mess that we are in in the United States where you are stuck with the internet provider that like, you have. It's the only one, and it's always ever going to be that one. So like, there's not much incentive uh, in terms of competition providing better connections for better prices. They can charge whatever they want for whatever they want to give you. Okay. Does that answer how... What was your original question? How, how do you get an internet connection? Yeah, so I think that that kind of answers how do you get an internet connection. Does it? Uh, what what do you th what did you understand from all that? I, I kind of got stuck at the server part. Where you have your local network, your own router, and then the modem you're being given, which then connects to the... AT&T's modem and then that modem talks to some sort of server and that's where your that's where it requests from that server the yeah, information so that, that you want but then I don't understand how are you able to just access these servers that you don't own like so you're again every every server is connected to the internet just like we are connected to the internet th that's the part I don't quite understand is the that they're connected as well yeah, like, like, what is the internet then if anybody connects to it? So not everyone can connect to it. You need, a, you need to be a big enough name in that you put actual cables between places. That's what makes you an internet provider. You put the cables there. Does that make sense? So I see the internet as like this little thing that exists on your computer when you open Safari or Ethereum. Ethernet, that was the word one, right? Or Ethernet? Is it Ethernet? Ethernet is the cable that you. No, use. not Ethernet. Is it? What's the one that was on? Um... Internet Explorer, IE. But then it has the E logo. Yeah, yeah, that's it's not the Ethernet. One. That's Internet oh, Explorer. Internet Explorer, <laughs> <laughs> or like Chrome or whatever, like Ethernet. <laughs> I'm not gonna forget that one. <laughs> I always thought it's Ethernet. <laughs> but anyway like i always thought the internet is this little thing that exists on these i don't even know what computers. they're called computers but like what is safari like what is that like, safari is an internet browser so basically you give safari so an address so that's how i see the internet is something that exists on your your computer so i don't understand the idea of like is it just floating in space? Is no. it like, like it, it's a bunch of cables that are connecting different places together. That's what the internet actually is. So when it first started, it was a few cities, like two universities wanted to talk to each other. So they actually got a big spool of cable and they 
started unrolling it between those two cities. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then a third university was like, hey, this seems fun. I want to be into this. So they connected to one of the two universities. And then a fourth wanted to connect, so they connected to one of the three. At a certain point, it doesn't matter who you're connecting to, as long as you make a connection to one of them, that essentially adds a direction that addresses can go in. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's what the internet is. It's a bunch of connections between different hubs, and these hubs in reality are buildings with servers inside of them okay so so um let's see so the internet or if you so the internet like wikipedia.com or apple.com or Mm mochidev.com so like all of these dot com whatever have playing silly dutch show have their own server that they exist on Mm mm-hmm and so, so that server contains all the information on that for it, that particular service. So that if someone wants, to, if someone requests, this is the information you're showing them. So then, someone then needs to go to that server and ask for that information, and then okay, okay, does that make sense? Yeah, I I always see the internet as like this magical thing that and it doesn't help that everyone starts calling it the cloud now. It's it, not a cloud. It's not in the air. It's on the ground. Right. So that's what I always thought. Like, so you're using satellite. That, does that mean like information is just floating up there in space, and then you just pull it down? Like, I don't understand mm-hmm. any of that. In in the sense of satellites, like we did use satellites for communication at one point. Think of it this way: one side has a laser pointer, and they go beep 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 beep, and the other side is waiting for the beep, is looking and waiting for the little light to flash. Yeah. Okay. If you aim everything perfectly, you can go ahead and see over a very long distance that signal mm-hmm. that someone is pressing on their laser pointer, mm-hmm. right? So a satellite dish is essentially a laser pointer that's pointing towards a cone, which is the dish part, and that cone reflects the laser pointer out into the sky. And it tries to do it in a good enough way where there's a satellite very far away that's also looking in that direction and waiting for those little beeps incidentally the satellite is sending over a laser pointer and your dish is waiting for its little beeps so you have to have a dish in order to do a satellite yeah you have to have that dish because that dish focuses it essentially creates a laser pointer so out of a dumb why are we still sending are we still making satellite up there are we still sending satellite up there yeah so we use satellites for all sorts of different things nowadays mostly uh to like monitor the weather like it's hard to see clouds from the ground you want to see the whole planet at once great use for satellites sometimes you want to have communication in a place that does not have a cable useful to use a satellite does that make sense so there are plenty of uses for satellites, but the vast majority of communication nowadays is via cables. Mm, my brain hurts a lot. Okay, so on that wonderful note, we shall take a break. <laughs> uh, and we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye. Like, comment, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars, ratings, 
or one star if you don't like it, I guess. But why are you listening like this many episodes in? Tell your friends, tell your families, tell everybody. And it's a great chance for you to learn more about stuff that you don't know. And if you already know it, recommend this podcast to someone else that don't know about it. And then maybe they too can learn something like me. And if you want to confuse Lynn further, slash you have your own question, be sure to send it at L-I-N-H-B-O-U-N-I-O-L on Twitter and let her know what your question is. So that way you can confuse her and make her think that she doesn't know the question and then she can ask me at a random point in time. <laughs> it's the circle of information. <laughs> the circle of life. <laughs> Bye.